podcast where we finally get to the books that have been sitting on our shelves for forever. I'm Weef Nelson. And I'm Emily Miner. And today, unfortunately, Nathan was not able to record his podcast about the Dark Tower series. Hopefully we'll be able to have him back on sometime soon to uh, give us a look into that little Stephen King universe. But until then, we're going to fill the space. Both of us are behind because we thought we were going to have another episode here. Emily is reading Mere Christianity, and I am reading uh, Dune, which is a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. But here's the thing. I just want to make sure everyone knows, like, okay, how long is Dune? Like 800 pages. Okay. And how many pages in are you? 300 some. Yeah. And when did you start reading it? Last week-ish. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. You also read for, like, longer spans of time than I do, I think, or maybe just more often. But, like, I'm reading Mere Christianity. It's 230 pages, and I am 60 pages in after two weeks. (laughs) And, like, that's also because I haven't been reading it as much as I should, but, like, that was like two reading sessions for me, 60 mm-hmm. pages in. So instead of that, I am, I decided to read a different 300 pages, which is our book for today, which is Captain Midnight and Sheikh Jomak Khan, which is a better little book. It's a series of books from like the 40s and 50s that were collections of like comic strips that were then like they would take little panels from the comic strips and then write out the plot to like a section of this so this is from the captain midnight i'm assuming comic strip series and then they took like an arc from it with chic jomak khan um turn it into a little book turn it into a little book i say it's 300 pages but every other page the left-hand page is always the text, and then the right page is always the picture. And um, it's a very cool little book that I found at um, the comic book store that I go to. Uh, Rockwood Comics used to be a um, almost exclusively like used bookstore, and then has slowly become more and more comics-based. And they were cl- constantly clearing out inventory. I got this. I got this book called Space Age Viking or something like that that we'll eventually read for this. Um, it's just, I just thought it was a cool little book that I saw and I got for like a buck. And it, I don't know, the size is interesting, the the image and everything, and the age, it was published in the, I think, 42 originally and no. republished in 44? Uh, actually, 44 and then republished in 46. Okay. So. Tell them how big it is. The dimensions of the book are uh, three and five-eighths of an inch wide and then four and a half inches tall. So not very big, probably about three-quarters of an inch thick, 300 pages of pretty decent-sized text that has really easy-to-see images. And that is the coolest thing about this, because it is garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually like some older comic strips like my grandparents have this big uh smithsonian collection of comic strips that i've been meaning to like buy a copy myself but it's not cheap um i don't remember when it was it was probably published in like the 80s or 90s but like stuff like 
Tim the Pirates or Tarzan or like old uh, Seagar comics like Popeye and I don't remember the name of it, but these um, it's like a, a married couple and they have their they have a old inventor living with them, which is sounds like Rick and Morty, but it's not. Um, but it is pretty similar to Rick and Morty now that I think of it. Um, I do like some older comics, and so this is an older comic, but it's a it's bad. It's just very bad. Um, Captain Midnight is a character that started as like a radio serial, sort of like um, Little Orphan Annie. If you guys, are, if you remember um, Christmas Story, when he's like listening to the radio and it's sponsored by Ovaltine, this Captain Midnight was sponsored by Ovaltine. Like actually, had, yes. Oh, cool. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I uh, thought you were just. Nope. I thought was, it was just a metaphor. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a radio serial, and then like comic books. He had like uh, crossover with Shazam, I think. At one point, uh, Captain Midnight is a uh, U.S. like commando, basically, who um, is called Captain Midnight. Everything about this I learned from his Wikipedia page. It's called Captain Midnight because on his very first mission, he he returned when everyone was waiting at the stroke of midnight, and that's why they call him that. So, you were confused. <laughs> he returned at the stroke of midnight? Yes. For what? From a mission. Oh. Like, oh, every time he returns. No, it's... just the first one. And that's where he got the name. Oh. Okay. But I think it's supposed to be Okay. Like... All right. Yeah. Yeah, I see it. I think it's supposed to be like a, oh, he, can't... he like comes in at the last second and he like okay. saves the day or whatever it is. Sure. So, this being like published in the 40s, it's like he, he is, it's not like just a general like adventure story or superhero story. It's specifically... World War Two, like he is a, it, it, depending on like which one it is, whether it's the radio serial or the, I guess there was a TV series at one point, and or the comic strip, he's either like part of the military or he's like an independent like guy who the military sometimes calls on for help or whatever. So in this, as far as I can tell, he's in the military, and it's during World War Two. It's not very specific about like what's going on other than. In this story, they are going to uh, Northern Africa. The book is very meandering. Like, it starts out with him escorting a prima donna, like, uh, woman who, like, does a almost burlesque show for the troops. Um, her name is uh, Helena Troy. And wow. she is a, a diva who does not care. She doesn't really care about the troops. And so... Captain Midnight does not like her very much. Captain Midnight has his best friend, Icky Mud, who is his loyal companion, and that is, like, one of the funniest things to me, which, like, it feels very much like... I feel like you don't necessarily see characters as much like this anymore, where there's the main character who is always right, and then there's the secondary character who is there to be, like not as good as the main character <laughs> because Icky Mud is not as good looking, not as like skilled at fighting and doesn't speak as well. Like he's just there. He is generally useless other than to be another body. And, and to th- make Captain Midnight look so good. Yeah. Um, and Captain Midnight does look good. Let me find <laughs> the page. 
Show me this guy's hot bod. I will. There he is. He's the guy in the white suit. Mm. That's a stern look. Yeah. Is that Helena Troy? That is Helena Troy. She is... When she first sees Icky, she's like, oh, this can't be my pilot who's going to be taking me on this tour. And then she sees Captain Midnight, and she's like, oh, I consent to being driven to being piloted by you Um, yeah because pilots can't be average looking no 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 and um it even says like this when she sees him meet captain midnight which is in italics um the startled helena cried oh she inspected the good-looking young captain carefully like it it, it's telling you that he's attractive and in in those panels he is like the most good-looking. He looks like this silent film star whose name is escaping me, like Valentine something. Like, he was a silent film star. He had very, like, I don't know, like, it was when everyone was, like, super pale mm-hmm. from the makeup and his lips are, like, they're very dark, so I would assume, like, the very idea is that he's very yeah. red and he's very luscious or whatever. <laughs> um, he looks like that in, the, in that panel, and then all the rest he looks like a normal, like, hard-chinned, chiseled dude. Um, but it's just funny to me that it, like, needs to point out that, like, Captain Midnight is capable and extremely handsome, and you should be happy to have him escort you. It, the, the first third of the book is them escorting her around where she's being a diva. She also has a, um, assistant named Anne who helps her out and is, like, constantly being berated by her. So we're, so icky, like, kind of commiserates with her about how terrible Helena is and they go to one place where she pretends to like the troops and then afterwards like oh she doesn't like the troops so they go through all this stuff with the tour and then they at some point they crash land they're shot down by a German warplane they barely survive a desert they're rescued by um, an Arab who turns out not to be an Arab he's a um, an African-American who is in North Africa but he is with a tribe of Arab people and then they go through this whole thing where the sheik Jomak Khan like comes there and he falls in love with Anne the the assistant not Helena Troy interesting and basically like holds her against her will and like imprisons the other Captain Midnight goes through this like shenanigans to get out and then it like turns out that Joe Khan is not Joe Khan. He is Joe McCann, an American. Everyone is a secret American in this story. And there and then when news of him trying to marry Anne comes out, this other tribe that he was supposed to marry, the daughter of the 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 their sheik, uh, when they find out, they come and raid that tribe and uh, Captain Midnight like ends up helping Joe McCann, and then they they beat the other tribe. He takes Joe McCann back to the Foreign Legion, which he deserted from, and convinces them, "Hey, this is a good dude." And that is the plot of the story. I kind of like zoomed through that because I didn't want to just like go through it piece by piece because it's honestly yeah. Like, like I said, pretty boring. Right. Because um, not a lot is happening. But, like, the biggest thing to me about it is, like, reading it, knowing it's, like, from the 40s, I knew, like, okay, there's going to be, like, some racism and sexism. 
and I, and I think the sexism lends out as being worse in this story. Okay. Or at least more prevalent throughout the entire thing. Because the way that um, Helena Troy is in the story and Anne is in the story, like, they, like, Helena is literally just there to be annoying. There's, there are a couple moments where it seems like she's more around and out, and that's either stamped out or just forgotten about, where, like, um, like, when she's being a prima donna when they're with her, and then suddenly she puts on this happy face and, like, is, like, in Captain Midnight's mind, like, a regular girl, and, like, greeting the troops and spending, like, so happy to see them and, like, really generous and, like, dancing with some of them at the, at the whatever ball is going on. Like, oh, wow, this is how she should be. And then it goes back and she's like, eh, it's just, like, what I do. And it's, like, Captain Midnight's, like, mind is blown. <laughs> Whoa, what's yeah. going on? He's like, I really thought you were just a, a regular girl, but I guess you're not and you're terrible. And after the tour ends and they it goes through like the more action-y adventure stuff she's just there to be dead weight and constantly complain she dashes the water out of their hands when they don't feed her give her the water first so they have no water <laughs> and and then at the end she's held hostage by the enemy tribes sheik and he duels for her and rescues her and it's just it, it, it's like i i wasn't expecting much but like at the beginning it felt like oh I like maybe there's gonna be something else or something about how she knows the, like the right thing to say but no like she's just the end of this her arc is going from um annoying to oh man Captain Midnight is right what whatever he says I should do because that's the good choice um Anne is interesting because she is kind of just window dressing to kind of show how terrible Helena is, but also like does some weird stuff. Like at one point when they're being shot at by the German airplane, they're not in a warship. They're just like flying a plane to other places. And so they don't have any guns with them. And Anne just pulls a pistol out of her boot and is like, can you use this? And hands it off and doesn't use it herself. But But she has it. She has a pistol ready, like in her boot for whatever reason. Um, she, like, there are, like, frequent moments where, like, another, a male character will, like, kind of mention that she's more attractive than Helena Troy, and that's, like, I don't know, it's, like, it's trying, it it basically is just there to put Helena Troy down, and then Anne, of course, has nothing to say about it. Joe McCann, pretending to be a sheik of some sort, uh, sees her says he's going to make her his queen. And it's, it's like, you can't really tell through the, the text or anything, but he's putting on an accent. They assume he is Arab. But after that, so he does this. He imprisons them. He says he's going to make her his queen. Does not care what anybody's saying. Um, he reveals he is Joe McCann in a fight with Captain Midnight after he, like, escapes. And they have this fight. Turns He gets punched, and he says something like, the, the text says he speaks American, which is just oh, hilarious Jesus to me. Jesus Christ, okay. Oh, for the love of Mike. <laughs> it says, for the love of Mike. Um, so they go through all this. He fights him, finds out he's Joe McCann, finds out he's a deserter, and that's why he's, like, hiding out with the, this tribe. 
And then somehow... He's... So he was in the military and he deserted his... Yeah. Okay. I think Foreign Legion was, I'm assuming, the French Foreign Legion. I don't know the details of that. It's just good to, for me to know because I was going to ask you why there are all these American spies all over the place. Oh, no, that's never explained. They okay. Just, like, so... Well, actually, no. Um, but he's not a spy. That's a he's thing. not a spy. Like, he's a deserter yeah. who has, like, taken up with this tribe and somehow became the okay. leader of it. Um, is he in blackface? No, except that the text describes him as um, a dark man. So... And, the, like, the images, they don't color. Even the black character, they don't really shade too much. So I think that's just, like, the art style. Okay. Um, there's, like, two panels where they use that kind of, like, stipple dots to kind of like make his skin darker but that's literally for two panels and the rest feels normal um and but yeah like his appearance literally changes once you find out that he is american he still like has like whatever goatee and facial hair he's doing and he's wearing a turban but like his demeanor changes he's no longer just like a stern faced guy he looks like he has other facial expressions so that was really interesting but what's re- like the the whole reason I'm going through this is that like Anne is there she like um, she's being rescued and after they find out he's American they drop everything that he has done like imprisoning them he he like excuse he he says no I'm not a bad guy I really do love Anne and they don't go back on that they don't like he doesn't, they don't get married or anything but it's never addressed that like. I was going to like just take you as my wife, and there would be nothing. I you could literally do. kidnapped you. Yes, <laughs> but I'm not a bad guy because I love you. Well, because she's American, and he just he he's been so he's been away from America so long, he just couldn't control himself, and oh, so he kidnapped her for patriotism. Yes. Okay. Um, and in the middle of this, the enemy tribe attacks. And he goes to defend the tribe, and like when he's not there, they're doing poorly. When he shows up and starts rallying the men, they do better. And like them watching him do this, they're, they're like in awe, like, oh my gosh, he's such a great guy. And she says that he fights like a lion, and Captain Midnight says he fights like an American. Like, <laughs> And this is all that it takes for him to convince him, like, okay, it doesn't matter that you deserted, it doesn't matter that you kidnapped us. Uh, it doesn't matter what you were going to do with this woman. You should join the military again. And they, I'll convince them that you're a good guy. And that's like how the story ends in the end. Oh, okay. And like when this is going on, they just immediately switch, like flip and just take the side of his tribe again and decide that, oh, we should start killing this tribe that's doing this. And... They like you could. I think the author could tell that like, ooh, we haven't really justified why this tribe is bad yet. So when they're running away, the chief uh, grabs Helena Troy, and Captain Midnight has to duel him and stab him through the heart in order to save her. So cool. Yeah, like I said, the the like racist stuff is not so much that it doesn't exist because it obviously does, but it's just like. Not as prevalent, like, throughout the book. Biggest thing is just, like, it's just present. Oh, they, they, he does say to Helena Troy's face that she deserves a spanking. Like, (laughs) I know I've seen that, like, in a coffee ad from, like, the 30s or 40s once. 
but it was very strange to just like read that like and, and she just like she doesn't it's not even like brushes it off she just like doesn't acknowledge it and it's just oh man she's still being a bitch <laughs> like see the problem with the podcast is that i express too much with facial expressions mm-hmm. so i'm just sitting here like Ooh, <laughs> that's gross yes <laughs> so i i have to talk about just like some weird weird stuff that happens through it so captain midnight is perfect and can do no can do nothing wrong and what the note i put here was that uh there's some D crap in here because he gets surprised so he is like trying to take on jomak khan as he thinks of him um one-on-one and then jomak khan like makes some signal and two like guards pop out on either side of him and it says they pop out and uh captain midnight rushes them and they're surprised and it's like they surprised they jumped out and surprised you right you don't get to like decide oh <laughs> More enemies in Russia, I'm and they're just, surprised. Right, by you. yeah. And to me, I'm surprised by his American tenacity. <laughs> that to me is like D and D because so often, like players, when like you're describing the scene, players want to like I shoot them before you finish like describing the scene. And it's like no, they would see you like doing that. They're prepared. <laughs> like you don't get to like get the jump on them because they surprised you. Like this is you have to like take some and then give some. But Captain Midnight just wins everything. And part of that is that, like, when they're being shot at by the German warplane, I should point out, they kill him, not by shooting him, but by pretending to... Wait, they they being... Captain Midnight. Captain Midnight so... defeats the German warplane that shoots them down by... Okay. So they're getting shot at. Uh, Icky takes some pot shots with the pistol and is a terrible shot. He's useless. And Captain Midnight slows the plane down, hands it off to Icky to, to pilot the thing, and he takes Helena Troy's wardrobe over to the to the hangar, opens the side of the plane open, and waits. The German warplane pulls alongside, but a, alongside under, and he shoves it out, and it lands on the plane, and he crashes. And we get the German point of view where they're slowing down. He's like, oh, are they trying to surrender? Let me just fly under them. And then instead of like beside them to like wave them down or something. <laughs> and so he kills them by shoving a, a big crate of clothes on them. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, when he when he kills the Sheik, Helena like shrieks like, you killed him. And he like starts berating her for <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, telling her it was life and death, and she's like, oh, I'm not complaining. Oh, no, he says, it was his life or ours, and if you are still beefing... (laughs) (laughs) Helena interrupted, beefing, she repeated, beefing, I'm not complaining anymore. (laughs) She says beefing twice. Beefing twice. Beefing, beefing. (laughs) (laughs) You just quit your beefing one. Oh my gosh, yeah. how far back does I have beef with you? Go? I don't know. Mm-hmm. If anyone has access to the Oxford English Dictionary, let us know. Yeah, please. Let us know on Twitter. I have nothing else to say about this book. Now recommended? Uh, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I mean, it seems like pulp 
like pulp comic mm-hmm. World War Two trash. Yeah, this was. Let me see. And to be when I say trash, you know, there's there's good trash out there, but this doesn't seem like it's it. I'm not seeing it here, but um, apparently certain editions of this would be like somewhere between five and fifteen cents. Um, so back then, probably a pretty good deal. And now, eh. Remember how much you got it for? A dollar. You think it was worth it? I mean, I guess. <laughs> you got a podcast episode out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Next time, I'm going to talk about Near Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm actually really, really enjoying it. So stay tuned. I think that's it. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. See you.